I'm pretty excited about what you're going to hear today. Essential Stepmoms Meet Visible Man. Hi there, I'm Tracy, and this is the Essential Stepmom Podcast, your source of unconventional advice and inspiration for the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Is it really an art? You bet. Nobody pops out of the womb with an instinct for step-parenting. It's something you practice and get better at, like anything else. And if you found this podcast, it means you're smart enough to look for someone who's been practicing the moves for a long time to stand in your corner and coach you through it. I'll share my wins, my missteps, and my analysis of what worked for my family over the last 14 years and why it could work for you too. If you like this stuff, don't forget to subscribe. And you can get more of me at EssentialStepMom.com. I've been really looking forward to bringing you something to share with your partner. And this season is all about that. You know, so much of our stepmom stress really comes from two things. One is a need for better communication with our partners. And the other is some actual help for those dads who are beaten up from months or years of parenting through a class four hurricane. Let's face it, all couples need to communicate better. But where we're dealing with kids, the stakes are so much higher and the need to work both harder and smarter to get it right is paramount. In case you haven't heard me say this before, the divorce rate for second marriages with kids is about 67% or two out of three. If you guys are going to make it into the lucky boat, you have to make a conscious commitment to do what it takes. And then, of course, there's the hurricane part. 80% of step families experience some degree of parental alienation, deliberate interference in the parent-child relationship from the other home. Parenting in this circumstance is a truly Herculean task, And since most dads are regular guys and not mythological heroes, they need at least as much support to do what they have to do as the stepmoms need to figure out how to help them. I spend a lot of time speaking to you on behalf of the kids, so to speak. I tell stories and things that give you a peek into what's going on inside their heads and hearts. But I don't have to do that for the dads. There are loads of them out there to speak for themselves. This season, I'm bringing you a series of interviews with dads, really special guys who have something important to add to this conversation, the one about parenting after divorce, either as a single dad or as part of a blended family. I know that I have more than one stepmom client whose partner is a mom and not a dad. And I want you to know that I see you, and I hope you know that you're included here. This information is aimed at actual dads, and if some or all of it relates to your family, I hope you won't be put off by the gender-specific nature of this episode and the following ones. Please reach out to me if I can help tweak this message in a way that helps it make more sense in your own family setting. Today's guest is Jeffrey Hoffman. He's created a website and an online peer support community for men who are experiencing what he was feeling back before he got divorced. He felt invisible, 
like he was disappearing into the background of his family, like his only value was as a provider. He basically felt like a paycheck on legs. He wanted to make the kind of experience for himself and for other guys that he couldn't find when he needed it. He says that men, in general, don't tend to support each other really well the way that girls and women do. And he also says something especially relevant to us as wives and girlfriends. He says the stepmom is in a unique position to provide that validation and support that their partners so desperately need. He answered a call to step up and be vulnerable himself and to model that for other men so they can share their own experience and, good God, maybe even their feelings. Here he is. Thanks for being here, Jeffrey. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Tracy. I heard you first on the podcast of Stéphane Jutra, The Divorced Dad Diaries. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I just talked to him this week, too, actually. The other night oh. we recorded oh, nice. a, an episode. So I was so happy to hear dads talking online. Yeah, we, yeah there, there's, uh, I think, connecting with men especially online for some reason I've found digitally it's it, just to have men talking um, vulnerably with each other about stuff that is hard for us is um, I don't know. I think that there's a, there's a need for it. Totally. And to just talk about visible man, how, how that came about. Okay, sure. Um, so I'm divorced um, and um, long story short, <laughs> like any, uh, I, I felt invisible in my uh, in my mid thirties and my, like, towards the end of my marriage. I felt like, you know, I have two teenage daughters, which I love with my whole soul, um, and uh, I felt as a provider and as a husband at the time, I just felt like I was only as good. My my value came from what I could provide for others, and I felt um, really like uh, that's where my value came from, and I just felt like. I, I felt like I was invisibly sliding back into the background as long as I kept providing a paycheck and food on the table that it, that, that I would, had merit and value. Um, and I became suicidal. Um, mm. I remember I became very depressed. I started drinking a lot. And I remember uh, Googling what the life expectancy is of a person in my demographic, a guy, and how much, basically how much longer do I have to put up with this? Oh, wow. um, and it was kind of a, I don't want to say it was a rock bottom because it got worse, but it was mentally kind of a trigger for me to think, wow, this is really bad that if I'm here and I'm considering not being here, um, I should really kind of take a look at this. So um, that was one of the triggers was my depression and the divorce. Um, my, my my older daughter went through some mental health crises that she has, um, she's doing well now, um, but at the time, um, you know, there was about 10 hospitalizations, uh, oh. suicide attempts, um, and, and uh, a lot of things involved unrelated to the divorce. Um, and it, it is, you know, it, if any of the parents, it, it's, it is, we'll do anything for our kids um, and those that we love and it's exhausting. And um, in a different way, I also felt like it's important for men in that role, parents in that role, to be supported um, 
just be supported. And I found that through the divorce and through supporting my daughter, that I kept giving and giving and my tank was empty and I wasn't taking care of myself. So a visible man uh, came about because of those things that I felt um, men, you know, in many ways, men have it great, you know, <laughs> um, especially white men. And so I think it, honestly, it's, it's hard to talk about. Um, it's hard to put my neck out there and say that, you know, we need, we need things too. Um, but men also um, are four times more likely to die by suicide, mm. twice as likely to binge drink and are responsible for 98% of um, violent acts. <laughs> so um, th- men need some help too. Yeah. Uh, and so Visible Man is about connecting men um, and finding ways for us to get support and support each other. That's so great. And I'm, I mean, I suppose I found you because I came to a similar realization that I've been supporting stepmoms for the last three years. Mm. And it started to become more and more obvious to me that, uh, that the, the dads weren't mm-hmm. getting the kind of support that they needed in this story. The, the biological dad and the stepmom who are the, the you know, adult unit of this family on this side are uh, both need a huge amount of support. And that's not just, I mean, probably it's true that everyone on the planet needs support in some way, but you know, in the, in the piece that I'm working with, I've so often found myself saying, what do you need? What does your partner need to make this better? Like how could, you know, what doesn't your partner understand your husband, your boyfriend, what, what part of this, you know, it's like the so much conflict around the the parenting Mm. of his children, which you want to say like, yeah, I mean, a lot of my work is helping stepmoms disconnect from their inappropriate uh, taking on of responsibility that doesn't belong to them for outcomes, mm-hmm. for parenting outcomes. You know, like somebody's got to teach this kid to chew with his mouth closed or whatever it might be, right? Mm-hmm. And it, so part of my work is helping stepmoms understand how to let go of that, whatever it might be schoolwork or leaving your socks on the floor or doing the dishes, whatever. It's like not, you can let go of that and the world will keep turning and this child will turn into an adult. And the outcome of that is not on your head because you happen to be living with them. But part of it is helping the dads to get back on their feet from this really kind of soul crushing experience of the breakup of a family and the guilt around that. And the the emasculation around that and the, the difficult interference from the, the ex with regard to their relationship with their kids. Like there's a, just a crap ton of stuff going on <laughs> on the dad side and they have nobody helping them. I mean, they have you now, which is great, but really by comparison, the stepmoms are reaching out now in huge, huge numbers mm. for help. It's, um, when we were talking before and you bring up a good point now that stepmoms are in a unique position, I think, to see men 
like you said, emasculated and kind of um, recovering and still going through this. Um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's it, any divorce, I imagine, it's kind of like shoots and ladders where you get to the you get to where you think you are, where you should be in life, and then you get <laughs> you get the rug swept out from yeah. underneath you, and you're kind of back, and and it's. Um, you're kind of stripped of what you thought was normal and you're back to a place and now you're in a relationship with someone who wants to support you um that uh, stepmoms are in a unique position to support those men yeah and you have to you have to understand what's needed and i think a lot of a lot of the time the the uh, well i can tell you in my own personal case i have to constantly still after 14 years still remind myself that that's not my place to do yeah. that and i you know i'm i'm very supportive but i'm still it's still not always obvious when i wake up when i wake up in the morning mm -hmm. you know where where's the line mm -hmm. well, I, I think the other thing too that is that women do a great job and i have two daughters so i can watch them evolve and grow into this of supporting each other and communicating and crying and laughing and connecting and men really suck at that <laughs> and so when you know even to want to support the man in your life um there's kind of two parts to that equation one is you wanting to and the other one is the guy knowing what he needs yeah and we don't always know what we need um because we weren't really raised to understand that we were raised to um you know, <clears throat> all the, all the stereotypes of men are, you know, fairly true. Um, but we're human and we are scared and we're ashamed. Um, and those aren't things, those are the, like we often, we often mask that with other things. And it's hard for even people who want to help to get past that barrier, because even if we do understand it, it's hard for us to admit it, let alone express it um, and accept it. Yeah. Do you, I, I'm going to make a little aside here, but yeah. um, can you relate? I know I, my husband has talked about this for sure, but can you relate to the concept of like guilty parenting? Does that mean something to you? I think, I think so, but can you expound on it to make sure that I'm answering well, it right? Well, just that, um, that, you feel maybe less inclined to make demands or hold boundaries or create limits mm. for your kids because you feel guilty oh. about their life situation or that you feel guilty that you were a participant in breaking up their family, whether it was your, you know, whether you feel like it's your fault in some way, but certainly you, mm. you were, you were part of that decision to. 100%. Absolutely. Um, it's it's um it's such a um sad reality that it's so easy to do like when we're so if we're co-parenting and um you know there's an opportunity to say yes or no to something uh, one of the biggest things that i've um realized is you know my relationship with my kids has improved dramatically since the divorce mm -hmm. um, because it, I, I got to imbue my unique communication style and everything onto them. 
but it's different than my exes. And it is so easy. <laughs> it's so easy to just, you know, um, to say yes to something because yeah, you know, they're, they were stuck in the situation that they didn't invite by no fault of their own. And sure. I mean, you could do this thing that maybe your mom wouldn't let you do. Um, and it, it's, it's like, a, it's an, it does not balance in the, um, I'm not, I'm looking for a word. They shouldn't be put in that position where, um, they could gain favor or you could gain favor yeah. by something that the ex wouldn't do. Um, and it, it, at least in my situation, I know everybody's situation is different. I mean, I, t <laughs> I can appear to be a pushover. I have two daughters and I love them like any father would. Um, I can appear to be a pushover, but I, I tend to state my boundaries up front and make it a non-emotional interaction. I'm like, if, if this happens, if you do this, then that will happen, which is one style. Another style is as soon as they break the barrier, then punish them, um, be a more punitive approach. And, and even just the differences are highlighted, even if it, even if it's, they're both valid, um, having, <laughs> seeing it from the other side, I'm sure, um, doesn't feel good. Um, do you find it hard though to do the thing like when you say if this happens that's going to be the result i like, do find it hard yeah absolutely because that yeah i i don't i don't i don't want my kids to be mad at me yeah which is like it's it i well yeah I that's guess. the weird piece i think uh, it, I, I think it. that's the weird piece like it yeah. that piece has a different flavor when you're kids are going back and forth between two homes. You know, when they live with you all the time, you, um, well, first of all, I think when you're, when the both, the biological parents are together, I think it's easier for there to be a divide, like the good cop, bad cop <laughs> divide, right? That, like yep. one, mm. one partner's personality is better suited to that yeah. Yeah. kind of thing. And um, if it happens that, that the mom is just better suited to being the one who says you're grounded or no phone mm -hmm. for three days or whatever. Like mm -hmm. that's, it's part of her personality. It's stemming from however she modeled, you know, whatever models of parenting she grew up with or her style or whatever it might be her, the, the quality of the relationship she has with her own kids. But then mm -hmm. you split up and now like dad does not have years of practice of mm -hmm. doing that for himself. Mm -hmm. It doesn't yeah. suit him by nature, by his own personality or relationship with the kids. And there's like this vacuum of yeah. who's going to do that kind of bad cop stuff now. Yeah, that's absolutely true because you, you have to be both. You have to be both. <laughs> and, and another complicating factor is that let's say, you know, you have to enforce the rules of the punishment that was enacted at the other house. And so you, you have to enforce something that maybe you might not have yeah. put into place yourself. So it is hard. It's very, um, it's very easy to just fall into a place where it's like, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do what she said, but you wouldn't want to do that. Cause then it's, you're, you're making it um, easy, you know, to, to divide the parenting styles. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a very hard situation. Um, what was I going to say? It kind of lost my train of thought. Um, I noticed that 
I mean, my husband is considered by most people who know him to be mm-hmm. like, he is a strict dad. He's, mm-hmm. he, his kids would say he's an extraordinarily strict dad compared with the dads that they know, you know, around. And maybe mm-hmm. that has something to do with being, maybe it's more old fashioned than strict, but I have to say that I have never known him to ground someone like nobody, mm-hmm. none of his kids have ever been grounded. They've never had their phone taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but like he's on top of whatever's ha- happening and it's mm-hmm. like, they know what's not okay. And well, this the kind of a seminal story that we tell in our house when his oldest son came here to live many years ago when he was 14 and he was, he was a 14 year old boy. So he was pushing boundaries, of course, uh, as mm-hmm. kids do, but it's like 11 o'clock is time to stop the video games and go to sleep because you have school in the morning. Like 11 o'clock is already late enough, you know? Mm-hmm. And basically dad wants to go to bed and he doesn't yeah. want to know if it's finishing at midnight or at three in the morning or whatever. Like it's, we're going to bed now. The mm-hmm. video games have to stop because I can no longer monitor what time you actually stop. And so he would tell them like, it's time to stop. And when it didn't stop at 11, he would go downstairs and hit the breaker for power to like, he would shut the power off to the house (laughs) so that there was no more video. So there weren't arguments. There wasn't like whatever, but like it, it went down (laughs) from the oldest child through on Mm -hmm. like, he's going to turn off the fucking power to the house. (laughs) Don't like turn off the game. And I remember that when the, when his youngest daughter came to live here, when she was 16, almost 17, she had come here at a moment of her life where she was really staying up all night playing online games. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he said, you know, like, we're not going to do that here, right? Like you're going to go to bed 11 o'clock. And I remember hearing her online with her, online friends saying, well, okay, you guys, I have to stop because it's almost 11 o'clock and my dad is going to like totally turn off the Wi-Fi (laughs) power. And there was such a feeling of, I don't know how to describe it. There was a feeling of pride in her voice. Like that the idea was somebody here is looking after me. Yeah. And it, it didn't sound like, like complaining, like, oh my God, you know, like, mm. <laughs> it was, it was like, I have a, I have a dad who's looking after me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was a really beautiful thing. I thought. It, it, I can un- totally understand that. And, and I, I think I, my therapist said a few years ago that um, boundaries make people, people feel safe. And I didn't appreciate that. And that story really amplifies that because, um, you know, I, th- I think um, for my own situation and my own growing up, I don't think that my, my parents did boundaries the way that, that I do. Or that, um, and um, when I, uh, I, I can resonate with your husband's style because it's not emotional, it's yeah. specific and it's follow through. Yeah. And there is a safety in knowing that at 11 o'clock it's, it's because then it puts a responsibility on the kid to understand what kind of conversation or manipulation or sneaking has to get done to make sure that they can push the boundary when it's not 
there's no negotiation. It's just is 11 powers off. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that. Yeah. And there, there are lots of other things that that particular kid would fight about and pull his dad's chain and, you know, they got to butt heads about a lot of things. But, and it's, that's an important feature of, I mean, I say it's like, it's like, you know, a, a puppy or a dog who needs to, he needs to pull on one end of a rope and you need to pull on the other end. That's the game. Like, it's not yeah, fun yeah. to just grab the rope and run away <laughs> with it. Like, there's no yeah. game there, right? Right. Um, yeah. One author I really like, Richard Templar, he wrote a book called The Rules of Parenting. Mm. He's a British author. And this one quote really stood out for me. He said, children don't push boundaries to, to change the rules. They push boundaries to find out that the boundaries haven't moved. Uh, that they push to make sense. sure that the walls are still there and that yeah. they haven't moved. And uh, I, think, I think that understanding that is so central that you're not finding a way to not be a bad guy mm -hmm. with your rules, but that it's love to make these kind of boundaries. And so many of us didn't grow up with that archetype. Like the boundaries were delivered harshly somehow with mm -hmm. a lot of emotional charge. Oh, yes. <laughs> that emotional charge just gives me a visceral reaction because I, in some ways, I've this pendulum has swung the other way with me, where I, I'm I'm an engineer, and so I tend to think that way, yeah. and and I tend to think, you know, eleven o'clock isn't eleven fifteen; it's eleven. That there's not an eleven isn't an emotional thing; it's eleven. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but I I think that the 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 thing that, um, that that that's very true that that kids want to know that you know they're being guided in a way, and that what the parent says is true um that's and, so and then, important what you just said mm. that what the parent says is true yeah yeah it's it then they then there's trust then yeah. when they know that when they say no it means no when they say yes it means yes that there's not a there's, there's not a squishiness to it and you know what that is this is you showing them your integrity yes like yeah like this is you saying this is how the world is and it's mm -hmm. always going to be this way and you will always see me it showing up in this way for you like yeah. 11 o'clock is 11 o'clock that's not to say that we can't have a conversation about why it needs to be 11 15 and i might mm -hmm. agree with you and that you know you're not being rigid or inflexible or dogmatic but you're saying what i say i'm going to do you're going to see me do that every yeah. time and there's so much security in that and there's so much like good feeling of integrity for the for the dad and it doesn't have to be if you swear i'm going to wash your mouth out with soap like it doesn't have to be that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it my my husband used to do a thing where his, when his kids would act up he would take off his smelly birkenstock sandal <laughs> and he would he would hit his hand with it like this as if he was coming at them to Okay. like whack their bottom with it but the joke was that he was going to hold it under their nose like that's, I, that's what i thought you were going to say <laughs> yeah but so they knew that but he would like get all mad and he would hit his hand like and they would start to laugh because yeah. they know that he's gonna like come at them with the sandal and make them smell his smelly shoes it doesn't have to be something like malignant and awful yeah but you yeah. have it has to be something that says this is the boundary and, you know, we can make jokes about it, but you're going to see me stand in that place every time. Yeah. Yeah. And that 
you bring up a good point about integrity and trust that it it demonstrates for them that i mean we we should be the rocks that the the, the yeah. foundation that their safety is built on and we have to demonstrate through action that that's how it works you actually sure. are the rock you just a lot of dads just don't know it you are the yeah. rock that their yeah. safety is built on and you just have to you just have to let go of your uh, delusion that it's different. <laughs> you know, I, that, that brings up a good point actually, because right, right after we separated and, um, I moved out of the house into an apartment and, um, I had a fear. I had a very deep fear that, um, I wasn't what you said that men are the, the fathers are that we, I wasn't the rock that they would think that my kids would think that, that I left or that, you know, I was the reason for the downfall of the marriage or I would like that they would blame me. And so I, <laughs> I went into overdrive, um, making sure that they knew I was there. I would, you know, I had the flexibility from work to leave, to take them to a five minute appointment. And I would do it if it meant an hour driving so that they would see me for five minutes so that they would know. And there's a fear, um, of, because there's such a perception of unity in a marriage <laughs> that um, that when that when that changes, I, I had a fear that they wouldn't know that I was there. And so I, I think and, and I was told by people that like you're doing the right things. And that that is a side note is a big is a is one of the things that can be just a very quiet level of support from a stepmom is just you're doing the right things. That thing you did, she sees it, he sees it, just keep doing that. Because yeah. the reward for that consistency, you may not see for a long time. And it's those little actions and that quiet reinforcement that it's not, um, it's not glitter and streamers and, you know, fireworks mm -hmm. every time. It's like, it might be a begrudging uh, when they get out of the car, when you drop them off at school, but it's, it's, there is a fear, I think, that they might not see that, but it's the quiet reinforcement that um, if we are the rock, we are the rock, that, that um, hearing that can help. Thank you so much for saying that. I, that's a really, it's good for me to hear. It's good for the stepmoms to hear. And I think it's good to, a good reminder that it's not like streamers and fireworks, that, <laughs> that, they, that it's built up in, in little tiny things. And yeah there's one story that I, that I heard from a stepmom that just really, I keep repeating it, but it resonates so much with me. It was because I work a lot with, with people who are experiencing parental alienation in all its various levels. And in this woman's case, she reported that as a child, as a teenager, her parents got divorced and that at one point, I don't know if it was from the very beginning or not, but that, you know, she was taking the side of her mom or she felt that, you know, she needed to do that for whatever reason. And she said, she said, my dad tried to call me every week for four years and I didn't pick up the phone. She said, I was mad at him because I, you know, I mm -hmm. believed my mom and I was on her side and I felt that he was a bad guy. But he called every week for four years and I didn't pick up the phone. But she said, oh. you know what? When he stopped calling, it actually broke my heart. Oh. And oh, I want to... my heart hearing It does, this. me too. Huh? But oh. it, what I wanted 
what I, the message there is that, you know, I want to reach out to that guy and say, you don't know that you're giving her all that she can receive from you right now. And she's accepting it. And Mm. that seeing you call is that's you being a consistent rock in her life. And that you think it's nothing because she's not answering the phone, but it's not nothing at all. And it's so hard to, it would be so hard to know that, you know, I thought, I mean, I, I remember my husband and the the months, uh, maybe it was more than a year that his daughter didn't answer the phone when he called. Like that was, that was hard, but you know, she lives here with us now and um, things change in ways that you, uh, I mean, in some way it's predictable. And in some ways, when you're in the middle of it, you, you don't know what the end is going to be. And you think, well, this is it. My kids don't want to have anything to do with me anymore. So maybe it's better if I just leave them alone, but you don't know what you're giving that they're, that they're taking. And it's all that they can allow themselves to have of you, but it's more than nothing. Yeah. Well, even I like the way you phrase that, that you're giving everything that, or I think how the, they're taking everything that you can give or something. Well, they they're taking what they can receive. That's as much receive, as they yeah. can, that they can receive, that they can integrate. Yeah. yeah. But it, it takes a lot of, um, a massive amount of patience and persistence yeah. to continue to make that phone call every week. Absolutely. And to have somebody in your court who's a cheerleader that says, yes, honey, that was the right thing to do. Now let's go to dinner. Like, let's do it again next week. You're doing the right thing. You're doing the right yeah. thing. Because uh, it's really hard to continue to do those things when you you kind of feel like you want to lose hope. And oh, yeah. you know, to, to have somebody that's cheering you on. Um, because it, I think as dads, we don't, we don't, we don't support each other very well. Dads don't. Um, and we don't get, we don't really get, and I wouldn't necessarily expect a lot of validation or from the ex um, to say, oh, you know what, you did, you did the right thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You know, it, it does happen and, and, you know, but, and I have received it, but it, it's just not, you can't count on it. Yeah. Um, but to have, you know, the stepmom or, or girlfriend or whatever, just have, have that person offer because, you know, the man has now opened up their heart to this person and they're in a, in a unique position to provide, to provide that validation and support. I, I hope, I, yeah, I really hope people are hearing the message here, you know, that mm-hmm. there's, there's so much to do. I mean, very often from the stepmom side, you think like, I'm useless in this story. Like, what can I, what am I contributing here? Um, That there's so much drama around the kids and the ex-wife. And Mm -hmm. it's hard to often to visualize what your own role is supposed to be and how you can make a contribution. But tell me how you support other dads or how you get them to support each other through visibleman.org. Yes, visibleman.org. Um, well, my journey with it continues to evolve. Um, it's been going on for about two years. And I started with a very social media bent about posting things. And I, and I still try to post things that um, basically demonstrate the ability to be vulnerable by doing it myself. Mm-hmm. That um, 
I have gained enough self-confidence and um, self-actualization, I guess you want to call it. I, I, I kind of know who I am. I have a much better idea now. And it's okay if somebody doesn't like that part of me. So I'm okay saying it and, and facing potential rejection and um, being vulnerable. And so I think one of the ways is just by demonstrating that it's okay that, you know, it's demonstrating for other men what I've been through kind of invites them to share their experience as well. Um, uh, because I, <laughs> I, I guess we've all probably faced this quandary when you get to know somebody and as you share more and more, um, you're like, oh, I could tell, I could tell him or her about this thing, but then that opens me up to mm. potential criticism or a guy they might make fun of me or, you know, and, um, if I kind of steal myself and think, all right, I'm going to post this thing about that time when I wanted to drink my ass off or the time that I did, or the time that I, you know, I dropped my kids off and I cried in the parking lot. So many men have experienced that, but it's so exceedingly rare to hear them talk about it. Mm. Um, so I, one of the ways is just by talking about my experience um, through blog posts and social media. Um, more recently, uh, I'm excited, we, we started a Discord server, um, which is just a, a uh, I had just become familiar with it, but it's a, a text, a voice and video chat um, that's always live um, and you can join. Um, and it consists of just men in the same experience. And, and right now, uh, just we'll often just talk about our experiences and share with each other. And for some reason, uh, digitally seems to work well uh, because there are men from you know all different places um, that talk about their experience. Um, and when I started, uh, we were meeting in person, uh, but that all changed with the pandemic. So mm. um, I think I think probably that the core philosophy is to have a shared experience and, and just um, talk about it with each other in a in a way that's safe. Um, we don't, you know, rib each other and, you know, and one of the, one of the things that I've, I've been, I don't know, it, 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 it's been surprising to me is that just like, I guess, facing any fear, you, you're afraid that somebody's going to give you a hard time or that they're going to make fun of you or say you're not a man or something like that. I haven't seen that at all. <laughs> I haven't seen it at all. It seems like the guys that, that want to, um, uh, join this um, philosophy or movement, whatever you want to call it, um, self-select in a way that they're like, yeah, I, I, I really kind of want to hear this guy's story. Um, and, and one of one of the things that also motivates Invisible Man is that it, if you look at the suicide rates, the the large majority of of people that die by suicide were not under the care of a mental health practitioner in the year prior. Mm -hmm. to their suicide so something like 80 percent or something wow. something very large um and uh there's so much to be gained just by talking with peers and what i think visible man represents is you know we all we all know like if you go to a party or, or family get together and there's say there's 20 guys um maybe only a small fraction of those men are on medication or seeking therapy or or comfortable crying in front of somebody else mm. but if that guy were at that party he's influencing 
maybe 10 other guys. And so they're kind of a, they can be a focal point or a, um, um, I don't know, they can demonstrate through example that it's okay and kind of spread that awareness. That's kind of that's great. That's great. So, so people just go to visibleman.org and they figure out how to take it from there. Yeah, there's, um, if you go there, um, you, you can, uh, there's a link to join the server. Um, and, uh, my email and that kind of stuff is there. Um, right now, uh, uh, there is, it's not wide open to join because we want to have some kind of um, moderation of who joins and not. Yeah. Um, and we're actively, you know, wa you know, watching dialogue and things like that. But if they go to the website, they can uh, get in touch with us there. Um, Great. Also on social media, Instagram and Facebook. And, yep. Wonderful. Well, this was lovely. Thank you so much for doing this. And Ab I think we'll, we'll, we'll do this again because I think it's so, I'm really hoping that this, podcast and my email newsletters are things that are being shared because yeah. it's just uh my my project is not woman centric at all you know i want to yeah. i want to help the whole family i want to help the kids and i think that the obviously the dads are a huge piece of the puzzle getting getting the dads what they need what they need yeah. to to kind of step into their full dadness and, and <laughs> I, just, I love, you know, yeah, it's, I totally, it, it can help everybody. It can help yeah. the relationship, the kids, the well being of the, of the husband and wife and parenting. And, and I like that full dadness, reaching full dadness <laughs> potential. I like that. One. But yeah, I'd like to do this again though. Yeah, this for is, sure. Uh, this, yeah, this has been great. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you, Tracy. So if you didn't already have your partner listening along with you to this episode, I really hope you're going to let them know about this and encourage them to listen. I spent so many years unable to ask for what I needed. You know, I had to work at even knowing what I needed. And I still have to remember that my husband can't just turn on some kind of ESP switch and know what I'm thinking. So I know that it's on me to develop the language I need and to find the courage to let him know what I need when I need it. So you just heard Jeffrey say that men are no better than women at knowing what they need, but often what they need is something different than what we need as women. And that's why we have to talk about this stuff on the regular so that it becomes less of a big hairy deal. If you're not already booking a date night into your calendar or a date breakfast, if that's what works for you, please start doing it. Maybe it's even just a walk around the block once a week with the neighbors watching the kids, if that's what it takes. But, you know, this is too important. It's too important to think that you're just going to plan all the strategy for your most important life project together in random conversations during commercial breaks. If you're doing that, you're really not buying yourselves a ticket for that winning boat. I think it's time to get serious about supporting the dads on this journey so they can at least start to figure out what they need and where to get it. Share this podcast with your partner and tell him about visibleman.org. It might be a new kind of lifeline for him. And that brings me to something I've been working on. 
I've developed a framework that I call the restorative parenting method. And it's particularly for dads who are struggling to parent effectively because of the ongoing interference from the bio mom who seems to want to just undermine every single move you make. You need a way to build in immunity to interference, to build it right into your relationship with your child or children, to make it a core feature of the bond you have with them. I'm going to be running a free Facebook Live challenge in just a few weeks from now about exactly how to do this. I'll be giving you enough actionable tips and strategy advice to be able to start putting things into place in your own family right away. If this is something you feel ready to start working on, send me a note to info at essentialstepmom.com and I'll send you everything you need to sign up. It's free. We'll do it from a private Facebook group dedicated to this five-day challenge and I'll give you all the details about how to get in there. Email me at info at essentialstepmom.com and just say, tell me more. You'll get all the details. I'm Tracy Poisner, and the Essential Stepmom podcast is produced by me on Anchor.fm. If you're enjoying this, don't forget to subscribe so you get notified about each episode. Also, I'm super happy that there are stepmoms in 64 countries who are listening along with you today. I want you to think about the stepmom in country number 65. She's looking for us right now in the murky waters of Podcast Lagoon. Your ratings or reviews are what shine a little light on us and give new listeners the confidence to reach out and give us a try. So please take a moment and help out a stepmom somewhere who would be glad to listen along if only she knew we existed. Go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and drop a quick rating or leave a few words as a review. It would be so much appreciated.